you'll never know until you try, right? And you got to not just try once, you got to try consistently. Were you great at playing piano the first time you tried it? Were you great at building your first, you know, brilliant PowerPoint strategy deck the first time you tried? Of course not. It takes practice. And so you'll find your voice and your rhythm and your tone the more you do it. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends over at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around. The work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super excited because our guest is someone that I've learned from for a while now. And I want to introduce Robin Daniels. He's a business and marketing leader focused on delivering epic results through innovative, fun, and highly differentiated go-to-market <laughs> activities, all while empowering people and teams to do the best work of their lives. Throughout his career, he, <laughs> throughout his career, he's held executive leadership roles in high-growth companies of all sizes, including Matterport, WeWork, Salesforce, LinkedIn, Box, Veritas, and Vera. So, like Robin, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be here with you. As as I was just telling you earlier when we were just chatting, I'm a huge fan of you and all the content you put out there. So it's truly an honor to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to frame this episode around a core idea, and I like to do this for every single one of them. So for this one, it's one of the hottest job markets ever for marketers. I mean, it's (laughs) like even hiring, it's crazy how hard it is. We went eight months trying to find a product marketer to to lead product marketing for us. So when you focus on your own personal brand, it can open up even more opportunities, regardless of what the market looks like. And that's why it's important to communicate your ideas, share your experiences with the world, whether you're a CMO or a junior marketer that's just getting started. So mm-hmm. that's what I want to focus this episode around. And in the first question that I have for you is, with it being one of the hottest job markets ever for marketers, what are you doing on sabbatical right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm taking a... A long earned break. I mean, it's hard to tell from when you just look at like LinkedIn and I'm sure we'll get into talk about that for a while. But when you've been going for over 20 years, even the breaks that you have in between oftentimes is spent doing other things related to work, finding another job, networking and all kinds of things. And honestly, the last couple of years have been intense. I mean, WeWork was super intense, super fun. Matterport was super intense, also very fun, but hard because of the pandemic and you know if, if that's just the last kind of three three and a half years and then if you take even beforehand startup you know journeys and all kinds of other things i've been doing i just felt like i needed a break i just wanted to kind of reset a little bit i felt like my life was becoming a little too uh, hectic and i wasn't being the best version of myself and i think a sabbatical is a good way to do that i mean the, the reason you invest let's say in uh, in stock or in learning a new skill is because down the line, it's going to pay dividends. Well, 
if you've worked for 20 years really without a break, you know, probably you want to cash out a little bit on that time you've earned so you can come back to your next thing, whatever that is, more refreshed because you're not doing yourself any favors if you come back and you're not excited, you're not recharged and so on. And so for me, it was like, wow, dude, the last couple of years have been intense, you know, with those the jobs I've had, but also the pandemic was also intense. So leading across time zones through a screen, it's an exhausting period of time. And I just felt like now's as good a time as any to take a step back. And hopefully I've earned enough cred and experience that I can afford to do that. So that's what I'm doing. I love that. It's funny. We actually, at Alice, we just hired a new COO and okay. he was also on a sabbatical for the last, I believe, 10 months. And so he was trying to make it a year and <laughs> he ended up coming out because he was like, he just thought it was a great opportunity. But oh. I mean, he, it, when I was talking to him, he was like very similar. He's like, I've been doing this for like 20 plus years. And he's just like, <laughs> he was a CEO, he was a CMO, he was a, like doing all these things. He's like, at some point you just, you earn it for yourself. So totally like, like I'll tell you and we'll get it we can get into that later as well you know when i was at WeWork, i was living in california and WeWork was mostly based in new york i mean i in, in 2019 i think i spent 200 250 days in new york i, mean, I barely saw my family so it's also just like trying to make up for lost time a little bit you know and, and if you don't take a moment to do it it's so easy to get on the rat race but i hear stories like this all the time people who say i'm going to take off three months or six months and then before you know it they're into something else and you're right and because the job market is insane you know there's a talent shortage everywhere and i get pinged with uh, a lot of good offers or, or at least like interests as i'm sure everybody does and it's hard not to kind of just say oh let's have a chat but once you go down that road it just requires like a little bit of cycles and you're thinking about it and i've come to the realization because after i left matterport you know, a few months ago I was kind of like in and out. I was doing a little bit of advisory work. I was talking to a few companies, but I think, you know, the best song is just to disconnect for a little bit. Just give yourself a little bit of a clean break because that way you can also truly focus on what is it that gives you joy in life. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about on my LinkedIn profile and everything I write is, you know, finding the things that give you joy in life, whether that's certain industries, products, people, areas that you're excited by. And Sometimes when you're just so busy, you know, chasing things down, working hard, it's hard to, to try to just like reconcile that with yourself. So taking a moment to do that, I think is super valuable. And unfortunately, I can do that, but I highly recommend everybody should do that at least every couple of years just to make sure they're calibrating and changing their life and their future for where they intended to go. I love that. Absolutely. So you bring up a good point. So you post consistently on LinkedIn, even while you're on sabbatical. And so you've ob obtained quite a following. But when did you recognize that it was important to share your thoughts online? Yeah, it's a good question. There's, there's like many different stages to it. You know, I've been on LinkedIn for probably 15 years. So I'm one of the first ones to get on there, you know, I, I, always, I saw the potential of what it could do, but I wasn't posting that much, honestly. But I've always loved the platform. I feel like it's the only pure play platform that's out there that's both very positive, very growth oriented and very authentic. And it happens, of course, because people are showcasing their real selves, their real identities there. So there's not all this BS that you find, I think, on a lot of other platforms. And don't get me wrong, I use other platforms for other things, but just getting inspiration or for inspiring other people, I think is the best platform. And you take pride in it because it's your real self there. You're not hiding behind a anonymity or or something else that where people don't really know who they're talking to 
And this is also, I think, keeps the platform super respectful. You know, so when you post something, yeah, people can disagree and they do often, which is great because you actually learn more when people disagree with what you post, which is awesome. But it never, it rarely gets into the territory of outright trolling. And it does sometimes. I've seen it. Don't get me wrong. I I know it happens in the platform, but it's not that common compared to other platforms where at the moment you post something, it's just troll central. So I've always liked the LinkedIn for that reason. And so I had an opportunity to go work at LinkedIn and I jumped at it. You know, it's a platform that's changed my life. I connect with great people. I learn a lot of great things. And when I came to LinkedIn, I decided to step up my game and just start posting more and more consistently. And so I probably started doing maybe two or three times a week at that point in time. But it's hard when you're busy and I hear this a lot. How do you find time for it? You just got to like figure out the cadence because if it starts becoming overwhelming, then that becomes the first blocker for you even doing it. So finding a cadence that works for you and finding out when you can kind of post in a way that's authentic versus like the, oh, I got to do it at 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. It's like, oh, this like, it's so stressful, I think, for a lot of people. So that was one thing. So that was kind of the first, I would say, phase of my, my LinkedIn journey. The second phase really came when I came to WeWork and I started having a huge global team, nearly 400 people who reported to me all around the world. And I realized an incredible thing is that when you have a team that's globally distributed, you know, it's hard to get in front of everybody every single day. So this is actually also a great way for me to communicate with my team. And I think it's one of those hidden benefits that people don't think about when it comes to LinkedIn is, yes, of course, it's a way for you to share your thoughts with the world, uh, your learnings, your insights, your inspiration, your all those things. And I do that frequently, but it's also a great way to communicate with people whom you might be working with, whether that's colleagues, people who work for you, maybe your, your coworkers, maybe your boss even. And I started doing that and I could see the effect when I was at WeWork because so often I would get emails from people or Slack messages saying, hey, I saw what you posted. And it really inspired me to think differently because I would oftentimes post about things that were on my mind at that point in time about what we can do better. Here's how I think about creating an epic brand or here's how I think about growth marketing or here's how I think about partnerships. And so I got a lot of like good feedback and I continued that trend when I came to Matterport because from day one, I was remote. I've never been in the same room with anybody from Matterport on my team. Super weird, right? Weird way to start at a new company, weird way to go through the journey of like growing a company and and hiring people. But even to this day, you know, after I left, I still haven't seen anybody in Matterport, only at the IPO. But I really ended up at Matterport because I'm like, wow, from day one, I was really trying to think about how do I communicate with everyone when I've never been in the same room with these people? Not once. Now, of course, you have your, your Slack that we use frequently. We did a lot of Zoom meetings. But even so, you know, it's hard to communicate it with everyone consistently. And as a leader, people look to you for inspiration and guidance. And so I really started amping up my game. And I can't tell you enough about the difference it made in, I think, the, the culture of, of Matterport. I, so many times I would get like emails or Slack messages from people in engineering or sales who said, hey, you really made my day. I saw something you posted on LinkedIn about you know a failure you had or something you learned. And it was just a way of constantly giving out energy to people as we were going through, honestly, a really rough time in the world. You know, people were struggling. We're not communicating. We're not connecting. And so I, I really started amping up. So there's three reasons I do it, just to kind of summarize. One is it's an amazing community, authentic, real people. I love connecting with people. I learn something every day. It's like a mini TED talk for me every time I go on LinkedIn. It's awesome. Just awesome. Number two, 
I feel like, you know, after 20 years, I have a lot to share. I've learned a lot, good or bad. And I try to share that. And hopefully if it can just touch one person, I'm not, it doesn't matter if it's 10,000 people, a hundred thousand, if it just touches one person to think differently and do better, I feel like that's a, that's worth my time. And then thirdly is this kind of secret of internal communication. It's a really great tool for internal communication to, to connect with your coworkers and other people who you want to actually really communicate with in, about what you're doing, what you're thinking. So those are the three core reasons, I would say. I love that. That's a fantastic breakdown. You know, something that I that I often, so I talk to a lot of marketers and senior marketers. And so I often hear it's hard to keep up with social. I mean, you mm-hmm. even just said it, but like, it's hard to be consistent with building an audience. You've yes. been a three-time CMO, you've led <laughs> companies to IPO. Yeah. And you talked about it a little bit. Can, can yeah. you kind of dive into like, sure. how do you time block or, or sure. figure out where to post? It's a great question. I get this question so often. And because so many uh, executives, both the people I've worked with, but also just other people I know, they constantly say the same thing. You post a lot. And how do I do it? There's usually the two things. And, and one is, yeah, I post a lot, but I rarely, if ever, post directly to LinkedIn. I rarely ever do it. I mean, what I do is I usually have a notepad and I write down my thoughts as I get them. And it's usually those thoughts come to me uh, after I've had a meeting with somebody who sparked something where they ask a question, I'm like, oh, this is, and I gave an answer and I'm like, this could be interesting to share wider. Or I'm out running or I'm taking a walk or I've spent time with my friends. It's usually not when I'm just sitting in front of com- my computer working. So I usually get these ideas in the most random of times, usually when uh, not trying to force it. And then I write them down. And so I rarely post anything live to LinkedIn. I write it down in my notepad. And sometimes it's just a single sentence. And then uh, I Over time, I come back to it and see if there's anything there. Is it interesting enough for me to share? A lot of my thoughts get scrapped because they're not interesting enough for me to share. And sometimes I'm like, oh, there's something here. Maybe I can share it and maybe I can work on it a little bit, make it interesting, make it compelling, make it action oriented for somebody. And so I write it down. I work on it a little bit in my notepad. And that way it becomes a little less daunting because if you just sit there in front of the the LinkedIn prompt and you think, "Ah, I'm going to post something brilliant, it's like the pressure feels super high. And so, so that's kind of my secret. I, I've talked to a lot of creators on LinkedIn. They do the same thing because if you think I'm going to post every single day, I don't know if that's the standard that you need to have. It's more important that you're posting something that's interesting. And sometimes I post every single day and sometimes there's a few days between, but because I have a library, I can always pull, pull from, it makes it less, less, much less stressful. So that's one thing I do. And I bet you, Anybody who's listening to this, if I said, take 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, not even more, and write down five ideas, you could easily do it. I could write down five ideas right now, things I could share. Oh, you know, here's a failure. Tell the world about a failure you had and why and what you learned from it. Okay. Tell the world about a success you had and why. Tell the world about a brand that you love and why you love that brand. You could write this down super easily, but the mental barrier that most people have, because that leads to the second question is, most people didn't have this blocker in their head where you think, will anybody care? What if nobody reads it? What if it's dumb? What if people think it's stupid? You know, it's like, well, guess what? You'll never know until you try, right? And you gotta not just try once, you gotta try consistently. Were you great at playing piano the first time you tried it? Were you great at building your first you know, brilliant PowerPoint strategy deck the first time you tried it? Of course not, it takes practice. And so you'll find your voice and your rhythm and your tone the more you do it. But if you think of it as this huge hurdle that you're going to do once a month or once a week, I think it's going to put a huge blocker. 
So the best thing you can do is write it down, see if it's interesting. I'm sure you can write down five or 10 ideas super quickly, work on them a little bit. Then you have a library and then start posting them when you think it's ready. And yeah, you might only get five views, 10 views the first time. Who cares? If your goal is to try to build up an audience where you have people who both respond to you and also get inspired by you, it takes time. The three things that it takes in order to build an audience, it's doing it, focus, you got to do it. It takes consistency and it takes time. You know, if you think you're going to do this in a quarter and magically you're going to have a huge audience, it's, it's just not going to happen. I, mean, I think this is one of the misnomers. People look like me and you, Nick, and other people who have you know, followings. And it's like, oh, they think it's easy. No, it took, it took me many, many years to get to where I am because I consistently post and I consistently connect with people. So that's one thing. So I think that's part of it. The other thing, of course, is go and get inspired by other people. As I said, like every time I go on LinkedIn, it's like a mini TED talk. I get inspired by so much of the content. That's much better written than what I could ever write. It's succinct. It's funny. And if there's something that inspires you, either comment on it or take it and kind of reformulate it in your own point of view. Because that's the other thing. You got to have a point of view. If you worked in finance, you might have a point of view about why finance needs to be revolutionized. If you've worked as a teacher, you might have a point of view about you know how we could, what we can do better for kids. I've worked in marketing and I've worked in leadership. So what I write about is marketing, leadership, and I usually write about what makes me happy and how happiness is a big part of life. Write about things you know, I mean, because that also gives you a little bit of credibility. Sometimes if you try to write about things that you're pushing it a little too much and it's outside of your domain, I think it's too uncomfortable. You're, you're trying something that's not authentic. And I don't know if you get really any credibility from doing so. But the biggest thing I can tell people by far is you just got to go for it. You just have to try. <laughs> it's so true. It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually posted on LinkedIn today. It was about most of the info on LinkedIn is like regurgitated info. It's not like earth shattering stuff, but it's how can you take your own POV and speak <laughs> right. to a value to your audience? Like for me, like it was easy because I took the path of field marketing. No one mm -hmm. talks about it on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then it's allowed me to like branch out, but I always kind of keep that as like my center point of like what I focus on. So yeah. it's, it's fantastic advice for sure. And so I want to kind of go into the, the WeWork IPO and kind mm -hmm. of some info around there. So yeah. you have the WeWork IPO. <laughs> some people think it's positive, you know, it's in 2019. Some people mm -hmm. think it's not going so well. And then mm -hmm. I found an article in Bloomberg where, yeah. you know, you stepped down in October of 2019. And I was actually at Clary at the time. And so we actually hired a ton of people from Bloomberg. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so with tech companies, this happens quite a bit. There's peaks yeah. and valleys. So I guess, how did your personal reputation and your brand help you get to your next venture at Matterport? Yeah, I think it's it's a great question. I think it, it's important to kind of take a step back a little bit just to, to, to share how I got there. You know, I was working at LinkedIn and LinkedIn, again, was one of those companies I wanted to work at for a long time. Love the mission, love the brand. The culture is amazing there. And I, if you'd asked me, I wasn't really looking to leave. I was introduced to somebody at WeWork who wanted to hire me. And at first, I'm like, I'm not really interested. And they were a little persistent, so they kept kind of like pinging me a little bit about this, which is great. I totally respect that. But then I had this group of friends. They're all CMOs in Silicon Valley, like six, six of my closest CMO friends. We've all worked together at Salesforce. And the Salesforce mafia is now kind of everywhere you know, with CMOs. It's, it's pretty great. But we had this close-knit group of CMOs, and we would meet every quarter for dinner. And we were meeting, I think this was in uh, September or October of 2018. And you know, let's, we just talk about a lot of random stuff. But one of the things we're talking about is 
if you could choose any job in the world as CMO, who would you go work for right now? And three of the six who I was having dinner with said we were. And I was like, am I missing something here? I mean, like they're coming to me with an incredible opportunity. And I knew we were heard about it, but I wasn't super familiar with their brand. I wasn't super familiar with the company or how fast it was growing. Maybe I was just living my own bubble a little bit. But I left that dinner going, maybe I should take another look. Then they offered for me to meet Adam Newman, the CEO at the time. And I met him. It was probably in October of 2018. And just he was just super compelling, honestly. I mean, just larger than life character, amazing vision. And I started realizing, you know, what was great about LinkedIn is like it's creating this network of people from all over the world who are connected and sharing insights, energy with each other in, in a, an awesomely positive way. We were in some ways was kind of the physical manifestation of that. And I really felt the world was feeling more divided. Social media is dividing a lot of people in very unhealthy ways. I think okay, LinkedIn has steered clear of that, but many platforms do that. And if WeWork's mission is to kind of get people to come together, you know, and using office space as the conduit for doing that, it's a really positive thing. Breaking down the barriers between all of us and being able to communicate, talk, meet each other in really like positive ways. And that was what was shared with me as the mission. And I thought, this is an awesome mission. I can go behind that. It's like a physical manifestation of LinkedIn. So I ended up going there, came in, I think it was about $20 billion valuation. Then we went to $47 billion. Like, oh my God, that's crazy in a very short period of time. Then suddenly we're like, we've got to go IPO now. We've got to you know, go even bigger and scale yeah. faster. So, so you're going to come in, massive growth from a valuation perspective, massive like milestone from an IPO. And then it all, of course, came crashing down. It's very public why it came crashing down. So I don't need to kind of regurgitate that. I think a lot of mistakes were made, you know. So I was only there a year. I wasn't even there a very long time, but it became clear to me, you know, that I would say that what I came in to do was not feasible anymore. I was based in San Francisco. The majority of the team was in New York, the executive team. And since they were slimming everything down, I'm like, well, I thought actually it was going to be me going to New York, taking the company public, and then really building up the... I would say the, the culture and office on the West Coast, I think we had about 800 people in San Francisco that time. But I also became clear if this was kind of suddenly turned into a turnaround situation from a growth situation, it wasn't feasible to do. And I think they wanted me there if, if it was going to happen in the East Coast. And I'm like, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I already spent 200, 250 days on, uh, on the East Coast in that one year I was with WeWork. So it was the right decision, honestly. And uh, But I love my time there, you know, and so... We had fun and, you know, you said you worked, you hired a lot of people at, at uh, Clary from there. Yeah, because we were hired really great people. I'd like to think so anyway. And so yeah. it didn't hurt my brand because we were still in that that period of time where everybody thought the WeWork brand was cool. Uh, the WeWork brand have certainly taken a hit since then and it even took it back then. But it was actually more Adam Newman and SoftBank and some of the, I think, bankers and money men behind the scenes that were taking a hit. My personal reputation didn't really take as much of a, a hit. But I left and I'm like, okay, well... Let me see what I want to do next. Something that's a little bit maybe that's somewhat related, but not necessarily. It's going to look what's out there. So it looks like if you look at my, I think you were asking this question. So it looks like you took some time off between WeWork and Matterport. Yeah, it looks like that on paper. But actually in that period of time, I spoke to close to 100 different companies. I have this spreadsheet where I rank everybody based on culture and energy and product and team and all kinds of variables. And it's it, not all of these conversations, just to be clear, were them trying to hire me. It was just, I was just trying to network with as many people. I'm like, okay, I'm out of WeWork. I got a little time. I don't want to rush into anything. I just want to meet as many cool people as I can. So I met with VCs. I met with founders. I met with recruiters. But I ended up talking to 
close to 100 companies probably over the that period of time. And I ended up meeting with the CEO of Matterport, uh, RJ. And he wasn't the founder, but he had come in and he had a huge passion for prop tech and the technology that Matterport had created. And I heard about Matterport at WeWork because WeWork was starting to use Matterport to digitize WeWork offices. And they're still doing that at a massive scale. And I came in and I met the CEO and we just really hit it off. We spent like an hour meeting. We ended up spending two hours together. It's like a month later, an hour follow-up meeting ended up being like three hours. And we just kept like circling each other. And then at some point, I think it was in February of 2020, he's like, well, I'm going to make this happen or not. We should come in and meet some other folks. So I met with the CRO, the CPO, the rest of the executive team. And I was kind of still like talking to a lot of companies, just kind of feeling my way around. I ended up loving everybody I met and they obviously liked me. So they ended up hiring me. So I accepted the job and then the pandemic hit. So I accepted the job, I think on March 14, 15, something like that. And my first day was on the 23rd, you know, and if you remember back, you know, we, everything went into lockdown, I think on the 16th of March, 2020. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God. So I, my first day I show up to meet my team. I'd not met anybody. I'd only met some of the execs. I'm like, Hey, here's Robin, your new boss, you know, and <laughs> sitting here in front of the computer. And so that's how I got to Matterport, you know, and it's been a fun journey, but what maybe people don't know is during that time in 2020, I ended up moving to Copenhagen. Denmark, where I am right now. This is where I'm from, born and raised here, but I spent the last 20 years in Silicon Valley. So working from Copenhagen for a California-based company, which Matterport is, you know, with my whole team more or less being there, the executive team all being there, it was really challenging. I won't lie. You know, sitting on a Zoom call till 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning every day, it's tough, you know. So I've learned a lot about remote work. I think remote work and flexible work is the way of the future. There's no doubt about it. But there are just some laws of physics. You can't bend the laws of physics when it comes to time zones. Nine hours of time difference is really tough to reconcile. Three hours is probably possible east, west, east coast to west coast. Nine hours is really tough. And especially, I think, if you're in leadership. If you're in an IC, probably make it work. Asynchronous work, asynchronous communication, totally fine. But when you're a leader of a large and growing team and you want to communicate with the rest of your peers you know, and other teams, sales and product and so on, it's very hard when you're that far removed, which basically meant for me working really crazy hours. And I felt it pretty quickly when I came to matter. I don't know if this is sustainable in the long run. It's not seeing my family. I mean, when you go to bed, crazy hours, you're not eating well because you're snacking at weird hours. It's like, it's just not a healthy life. You can do it for a little bit. I think most people like adjust it, but would you want to do this for the rest of your life? <laughs> it's probably not, not great. So it's best for everyone, honestly. It's like best for me because of my health and happiness. But I also think it's best for the team, honestly. It, having a leader who is in Denmark, it's nine hours away. Yeah, it sounds great on paper because remote work, oh, we're all doing it. But it's just, it makes it hard. It does make it hard. There's no doubt. That's great. I'm just curious. Do you get to spend any time with Andreas from Shield while you're over there? I do. I see him often. We, we do our walk and talks and, you know, we have a commitment to each other because this is my second winter here in, uh, in Denmark now after 20 years in California. Winter's a little hard. Spring, summer, fall, great. Love it. Winter is just dark and gray. And we're like, we're committed to each other to uh, motivate each other as much as we can. But a big shout out to Andreas. He's an amazing guy. Great product. If you haven't checked out Shield, which I also use to learn about my LinkedIn patterns, it's an incredible analytics tool that you should go check out. Love that. Absolutely. I'm also a huge fan of Shield. So shout out to Andreas and Praga and the whole team over there. 
All right. So I know storytelling is a big part of your philosophy as a marketer um, and all great stories have conflict or struggles. Yes. You, you touched on this a little bit. What are your thoughts on sharing your own personal struggle and challenges online? Because I also agree that I enjoy sharing my struggles because if I can help other people not make those mistakes, great. But a lot of people try to make everything rainbows and like yeah. it's all like, perfect, but that's not the case. Like oh. what's your thoughts on that? I think it's one of the most inspiring things because it, it shows other people that everyone, I think it breaks down this notion that there's like an elitist group out there who are just better than everybody else. Cause it's just not true. I mean, everybody struggles with imposter syndrome or failures or not feeling good enough or things that where you're like, ah, I don't have the right skill set or background. And, and I think sharing our failures of what we've learned because of them, I think it's just, shows the path for everybody, even if they're not going to follow the same path, it shows that even the people who fail can go on to do great things. And pretty much everybody I know out there have had massive failures, you know, and sometimes that failure is internal conflict. And sometimes that failure is external conflict where you've gotten let go from a company or it just wasn't a good fit and you had to quit, you know, it could be other things as well, but both are, I think are just super valuable. And this is why I actually think one of the downsides about LinkedIn, it's hard when you look at people's profiles to see their failures. It'd be interesting to see how they could change that because when you look at people's profiles, it's just like, it's just up and to the right. Everything is up and to the right. It looks great, sunny. Everyone's getting promoted all the time and going from one great job to another. It rarely works that way. You know, I've been let go. I've had conflict with past bosses. I've had moments of, I would say, severe introspection where you thought about, is this what I want to do with your life? But those are the moments I think that brings clarity and clarity is really one of the most important things. If you want to get to a point of happiness, it also shows that nobody is perfect. I think perfection is a unattainable standard. It's and uh, and people who try to like be perfect and everything, I think are very inauthentic. Uh, and I don't particularly love following those people or seeing what they share, but it's much more fun actually hearing from people who have gone through struggles, who were down to their last penny or had to take a big choice in their life to do something radically different. For me, one of the things I talk about, obviously, is that moment when I was very unhappy um, in Denmark when, and, and I decided to quit my job and buy a one-way ticket to California. I've never been, didn't have a job, didn't know a single person. I just wanted to go. But it came from a point of being not happy with where my life was going. If I was projecting forward 20 years, 30 years, I'm like, I don't want to end up miserable here in a job I hate. So you took a chance. Uh, and a lot of times when I look at the moments in my life where I've had struggle, it brings clarity. Because usually when things are just going well, uh, it's like it's, you rarely change path or you actually rarely learn as much. You learn much more from the struggles you have because it forces you to think about, is this what I want to do with my life? Am I happy right now? Do I want to do this for the next five years, 10 years? And if not, you got to go change. But I also think, I also like showing it because it shows that everyone has it. And just because you're unhappy for a little bit doesn't mean that you go and blow everything up either. Because I also think that's the false thing. I think you got to have a little bit of balance. You know, yeah, you're going to have some shitty days. We all do. Maybe even some shitty weeks, you know, sometimes when things are just not going up. It happens to all of us. But I think in the grand arc of things, you know, if you wake up consistently every single day, you're not happy with your life. You're not happy with where it's going. You're not happy with the way you're evolving or, or learning. 
you got to make a change. And that's completely within your own power to do so. And it just starts by getting inspired to do so. And I think by seeing how other people have overcome those challenges, it's a great way to kind of get inspired yourself to take that first step. Because oftentimes the first step is the hardest one. Like stepping into the unknown can be super uncomfortable for people. Again, whether that's a new city, a job, a new vocation, trying to learn a new skill, learning how to use LinkedIn, it can be super uncomfortable for people. But seeing how other people have overcome it, I think can be super. To answer your question, yeah, I love storytelling. It's something I talk a lot about. Storytelling, I think, is at the heart of, of great marketing. And storytelling should also be at the heart of how you, you know, share your thoughts to the world. This is why I do that thing where I, I write everything down first and try to make a story out of it. Just posting a fact, like I oftentimes say about marketing when I uh, have done marketing in the past or lead teams uh, around marketing is we got to lead with emotion and then support with logic and facts. You don't do the other way. Great marketing never leads with logic and facts. That's a supporting thing to the emotion that you're trying to evoke from people. And storytelling is really at the heart of that. The best marketing is great storytelling. And that's true of whether or not you're doing it for a company or you're doing it for yourself. That's so incredibly well said. Like, I couldn't agree more with you, especially as someone that's been a marketer. But, and that's what I focus on. I mean, storytelling, it's everyone loves, even personal stories. People love and they connect to someone beyond, like, we're just marketers. But, like, what are we passionate about outside of that? And that's what I like to connect on. Well, it's funny, you know, I, many times in the companies I've been at, one of the things I'm very passionate about is I think the number one skill as a marketer you have to learn, actually, I think it's in any job probably, is communication. I've succeeded in my career because of the way I've communicated to my peers, my team, and so on. I think I've failed sometimes when I've not communicated well. The result, why we're doing things, yada, yada, yada. Communication is such a key skill to learn how to, to communicate right at the right altitude with the right people and in a way that you know gets people engaged. And it's funny, because I'm so passionate about communication, oftentimes in the companies I've been at, I've taught these communication skills classes or presentation skills classes. And one of the, the exercises I do is, okay take a minute and stand up here in front of the class and tell me one minute pitch about the company. And they, most people go up and they, they're kind of like, okay, and here's what we do. We are a cloud-based SaaS platform that can help you do this. And okay, you can tell they're very square. And then I say, okay, great. Now tell me one minute, what is one of your hobbies? And they light up and they start talking about, you know, their cats or their dogs or hiking or I love traveling. And their body language changes and their voice changes and their energy changes. I'm like, can you see the difference here? <laughs> you know. And so you know, communication is everything. But when you're passionate about the story, you're, you so my point is you got to learn, like figure out the beats of the story of, of your life, of the company you're working for and make it interesting. Because most people, they are actually really good storytellers, but it's only when it's things they're passionate about. And it comes through. You can tell this is with, back to uh, on LinkedIn. You can tell as well when people are sharing personal stories. Wow. Sometimes the passion like radiates off the page versus somebody who's coming in saying, here at my company, we did just X, Y, C. And you can tell they're doing it because somebody's saying, go post this versus them being super passionate about it. So it's a little bit of finding that, uh, that passion in everything that you do. Absolutely. For sure. So and I, I just have kind of a couple of final questions for sure. you. So a lot of a lot of people that that listen to this show are more junior marketers mm -hmm. that are looking to like 
one, build build their personal brands, but also just start to like grow their career over time. And so if you're speaking with more junior B2B marketers, how would you recommend they get started with posting on LinkedIn or elsewhere? Yeah. Because I know you said just start, but like, what would you, a couple tips for them? Yeah, it's a great question. So let's say you're starting out your career and you don't have as much life experience working in the corporate world or working at a job yet. That's totally fine. So what can you do? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. One is go definitely get inspired by what other people are posting, figure out what you think is interesting and what's not interesting, and maybe post things about that as yourself. Again, write it down. So Nick is posting about, let's say, why he's so excited about account-based marketing and why it's the way of the future. Maybe you come in with a counterpoint about other things about it, but start like developing what your point of view is on certain things. I think that's one thing because everybody has a point of view. So start thinking about, okay, can I learn from other people and can I engage and maybe share that engagement either directly on other people's feed or maybe in things that I think about. Also take a lot of, I think, lessons that you've had in your life from college, from your parents, from your friends. I think people overthink it, honestly, Nick, a little bit. I think you could easily post, you know, I just had a great conversation with a friend of mine and it really made me think about X, Y, Z. It's totally a fair game to post things like that. Nobody's expecting you to be a Michelangelo in everything that you post. It could be just small thoughts that you have. So it could be, you know, I just saw my parents this weekend and, you know, it really reminded me of the value of just staying to connect it to the people you love and with a nice picture. You know, so start small with things that, it's within your sphere, you know, that you can kind of like easily post about. So I think there's so many things, even if you think, oh, I don't have any experience, you can post about your company, sure, but maybe you haven't worked that, that far, but you, everybody has experiences. I'm sure of it. I can sometimes write about my childhood or my teenage years. Everyone goes through struggles in their teenage years. Share some of that and what you learn and how it made you a better person. But I can't overemphasize enough that the most important thing is to just start. Because again, I think, when I get when I talk to some more junior marketers or junior people who are trying starting out, they have the fear of what if nobody cares? What if nobody responds? What if I get 10 views? Like, yeah, you probably will in the beginning, and that's okay. We we all started that way. When I first started my career, it's not like many people care what I thought. And now that I'm a little bit more established, I think a little few more people listen to me, but it just takes time. Just the other thing. So as I said, it's it's about focus. You have to focus on it. it's not going to happen on its own. Figure out what that is. Consistency, you know, figure out your consistency and time. Got to be patient with it. But the most important thing by far is not trying. And so try. And if it, you try for a month and you figure out that what you've been sharing is not really interesting or getting traction, then try something new. Try a different tack. Maybe try a different tone of voice. Try a different set of insights. I'm sure most people have, have a lot to share, much more than they actually think that they do. Absolutely. I mean, that's the exact advice that I would give as well. And so I want to kind of end with, it's January 2022. I had to think for a second. Um, so it's January 2022. Already? Yeah, I know. It's February next week. February is a short month before we know it will be in the March. So what can we expect to hear and learn from you this year? Like what, any plans that you can share for what you're thinking for this year? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'm thinking a lot about the future right now. So I'm on a sabbatical. I'm not really on a sabbatical, if you've noticed. Like you said earlier, you're still posting on LinkedIn. And I'll probably take a step back and actually post a little bit less because I, I feel like I just didn't have a need to uh, disconnect for a while. You know, it's just because 
the beauty of posting is, you know, you get to share what you're thinking, but sometimes it also means you have to keep up with a lot of things. So I'm just kind of, I think, to do a little bit less this year. I ramped it up in 2020 and 2021, a lot, like I said, because I want to also over-communicate to the world, but also, of course, uh, my teams and everything else. So I'll probably um, focus more on writing, I think, deeper pieces, because I still love connecting on LinkedIn and other platforms, but deeper pieces versus like these random thoughts. And maybe that leads one day to more comprehensive something, maybe a book. You know, a lot of people have said maybe someday I'll write a book, but from my learnings at Salesforce and Box and LinkedIn and WeWork, and I think there could be something there. You know, I'm kind of noodling on it a little bit. I have some thoughts about it, but my goal is just if I'm going to do something like that, God, it has to be epic. I'll be honest with you to this audience. I have so many business books here at home. I rarely read all of them because so many of them are so boring. And I'm just like, if I'm going to do something, it's got to be fun, full of storytelling. It's got to be epic. So I'm thinking a lot about how, if I'm going to embark on something like that, how would that look in the Robin Daniels world? So that's one thing. Trying to spend a lot of time. uh, Now the world is kind of opening up somewhat, traveling a little bit more. You know, I love traveling. It's been hard, honestly, sitting just at home for two years for all of us. I love traveling, I love meeting people. Here in Denmark, they just announced uh, yesterday that from Tuesday of next week, they're getting rid of um, all restrictions, every single one, no restrictions. I'm like, oh, holy shit. So that's February 1st. I know this is probably coming out after February 1st, all restrictions are gone. So I hope other countries start following suit because I just can't wait for this to be over. And again, like many of us have learned to live with it, but I miss seeing people's faces. I miss traveling. And uh, I want to do a little bit more of that because I think new experiences also it sparks joy and inspiration for me. And then really what, what happens next, what happens in a few months? We'll see. There's a, like you said, when we start this conversation with Nick, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You never know. It could be another CMO gig. It could be something else. Stay tuned. I would say. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, Robin, I just wanted to say thank you again. I'm going to make sure to send everyone over to your LinkedIn page, even if you're not going to post as much. I think it's you provide a masterclass every single post that you put out there. So I wanted to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for, for joining thank me today. You. I learned a ton. You are such an infectious person. Like just breathe like positivity. So So I loved it. So thank you. Thank you, Nick. Awesome. Let's do this again, okay? All right. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.